right? So uh, if you had not noticed it throughout the missions conference, we had put a small little stand there with a bunch of uh, papers, and it's to open up the forum, so to speak, to you guys, if you've had any questions ever to ask a missionary. And I also asked some of our Bible college students to write some of these questions as well. So we'll start off uh, a little easy here, I hope. What hobbies do you have in your mission field? In my mission field? Is this on? Okay. It is. All right. Um, well, that's kind of complicated. Um, honestly, I really haven't had much hobbies in, in my life. I've always worked a lot um, from the time I got saved up through just the last couple of years. I've either been in school and also working full time kind of simultaneously or doing a lot of traveling, so there hasn't been a lot of time for hobbies, but I would say after uh, surrendering to go to the field, um, I would say if I had free time, I actually spend a lot of time in, in language learning, and to me that may sound strange, but it, I, I would call it a hobby in a sense. Um, I like to uh, practice and learn the language, so that for now at this point in my life, that's my hobby at this point. That's a good hobby. Yeah. Uh, here's the second question. Uh, it might be a, almost a polar opposite type of pressure for this question. Why do you think there are less people surrendering to be a missionary? It's a very interesting question. Um, I'm going to say this. I don't think God is calling any less or, or any more than he normally does. God, I think, I think the Spirit of God is always calling. Um, I think it has more to do with the hearing side of things. The Bible talks about the still, small voice of the Lord. And I actually went to uh, Bible college uh, with a number of young men uh, that said that they had surrendered to preach or to some other kind of missions or other kind of things. And... Um, Many of those young men are not actually in ministry. They, they either got a really good job while they were in Bible college. Um, other things, other life events came up and caused distraction. And so I know many a young man, and even myself, I'm going to be very honest with you. I knew back in 2005, my first year of school, God wanted me to go into missions and graduated in 2009. It wasn't until, until, excuse me, until 2016 that I finally surrendered to Italy. And so for a long period of time, um, my career kept me from pursuing the will of God. And I believe that God is calling more men than men want to really, um, what's the word I'm looking for, than want to admit that God's calling them. And this is what I would say to some people, if, if you have like a, a small, like, feeling on the inside that God may be tapping your shoulder and you just kind of push it off to the side and be like, oh, God's not calling me. If you have any thought that God might be calling you, he probably is. And you're probably just pushing it away. Um, and because I, I know exactly how that is to push away the voice of the Lord. The Bible talks about quenching the spirit. And sometimes we quench the call. And it's easy after you've quenched the call long enough to, um, to just get numb to it but um, that still small voice still kind of chips away at you. And um, so 
I think God is still calling. I think a lot of we we get preoccupied with a career or there's fear of stepping forward. I had I had legitimately had fears of stepping forward. You know, wondering if God's going to take care of me and this and that. Um, other different reasons, um, and and so um, sometimes it's materialism thing. People get caught up in materialism. They they have their plans, their agenda, what they want to do, um, and and we need to get over those things. We will regret one day standing before the Lord, knowing that God had been calling us, and we stand before God, and and we have to explain why we never surrendered our will to Him. And that's going to be a, a very day, big day of reckoning. Yeah. All right. The third question here is, how do you involve your family in your ministries? Okay. Um, currently, we, we, of course, travel around a lot. But prior to um, going into full-time missions, I was always faithful in different programs in church. I oversaw bus ministries. I oversaw junior churches for a number of years. Of course, at that time, I didn't have any children, so my wife was always along by my side through all that. After having children, um, we include them. When we go out soul winning, our children come along with us. Um, of course, when they're, like, when they're like newborn babies, it can be a little more difficult. But as they get a little bit bigger, we bring our kids along. And you want to know something? Our children actually give us more open doors to talk to people about the Lord. Um, and so I would encourage all of y'all, if, if you say my children are the thing that keep me from serving, I would say don't let that mindset be in you because God will use your children. You know, my children aren't saved yet, but they enjoy going up and passing tracks and, and doing things like that and talking to people about the Lord. I, we were at a door. Listen to this. I was down in uh, Tacoma, Washington just a couple weeks ago. And, and imagine this, Pastor. Listen to this here. This one guy, we got to the door. My two children are there. My wife are with me. And he says, you know, we offered him the gospel track. And he's like, no. And my daughter was like, right there, when he still had the door open, why doesn't he want it, Daddy? <laughs> now listen, miss, that guy is going to remember that one day. And that little child is, that little child's face is going to be in that guy's memory one day. And so I, if I were you, involve your children in the ministry, make it, uh, a fun thing. We get to do these things. We get to serve God and our children get to see us enjoying serving the Lord together. My hope and my prayer one day is that my children will come to know the Lord as Savior. And because of seeing our heart's desire and our enjoyment, you know, being in the ministry, it's stressful. There's a lot of stress that goes along with it, but we, we don't let that burden us down. We, we want to include them in that. And, so, and then when we get to Italy, um, one of the beautiful things, we've seen other missionaries um, uh, when they bring their children out and they're passing out John and Romans and gospel tracts and other things, um, you see the little child come up and say, La parola de Dio. And it's so hard to, to turn down a little child that's ask, offering the word of the Lord. And, um, and so we, we definitely love using our family as part of the ministry. Amen. And this is uh, kind of going along with it. Mm -hmm. How has your wife played a role in your ministry? My, my wife has played a, a very important role. She keeps me, um, let me, let me put this in the right perspective here. She, she is, I wouldn't be able to do any of the things that I'm doing if it wasn't for my wife. It, there's, just, there's just no way. Uh, the Lord knew that I needed a wife and he gave me the right one. The right one that, that you know, is, is, 
all of the, uh, you know, my f- f- uh, weaknesses, she complements those with her strengths. And so um, I'm excited about um, having a wife. She, she's, she felt that God had put missions upon her heart before we ever met. And so that makes going into missions that much more easier because my wife is on board. No matter where God would have called us to, um, my wife already had the heart for it. And uh, she has a heart to learn the language and to minister to the people. And, and we come from two totally different backgrounds. I grew up in a Christian home. She grew up in a home that was not a good situation at all. And our, our testimonies are very complementary in, in being able to uh, witness and to talk to people. Amen. Uh, what communications and oversight does your sending church have with you on the field? Okay. Uh, we are sent directly out of our local church. Our, our local church is our sending authority. It's our sending agency, if you will. Our, our church handles all of our finances and things like that. We praise the Lord for that. We are sent out of a very unique local church. Um, our pastor, our, our congregation are very much involved um, with our missions work, that what we're doing. My pastor calls me every single week. We have other missionaries out of our church, uh, two other families that are in the UK, and he calls them every single week. Um, every Sunday, uh, between Sunday school and the main service, there we, there's a, we don't do it just yet because we haven't made it to the field yet, but the other two missionaries out of our church, every week during the month, um, so for the first end of the month, the one family will Skype in to our church um, between Sunday school and uh, Sunday morning service, and they will, they'll talk back and forth and talk about what the Lord's doing and the struggles and the trials, and they're very much involved, and we will do the same uh, when we uh, get to the field as well. But they are our sending authority, and... Um, you know, I, I answer, uh, everything I do is done under the authority of Beth Haven Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Of course, Christ is the, the, the head of our local church, but, um, you, you know, I, I answer to them. If, if, you know, if I change doctrinally or whatever, um, I have to come back to my church and uh, answer for it. Mm-hmm. And so, so I hope that answers that question. Yeah, that's a difficult question. Um, what is the scariest or most dangerous situation or experience that you have had to go through, uh, either on deputation or while you were on the field? And what has also been one of the toughest or worst attacks that you've had on your ministry that has really tested your faith? Okay. Mm. Let me... Um... This is going to maybe sound strange. Um, I know of other missionaries that have had, as they're on the deputation trail, have had just the most strange health issues come up, or or physical, you know, you know, accidents come up, and um, and as we're on deputation, there's a fear that kind of comes over you. I'm like, I'm like, when's it going to happen? It hasn't happened yet. When's it going to happen? When is something crazy bound to happen? So I have legitimate fears like that. We haven't had um, any um, strange, abnormal situations. We, 
Um, we typically travel via motorhome, and this is one thing I found out afterwards. I think the Lord protected us, but uh, the motorhome we were traveling in, we were traveling through the mountain passes of the Rocky Mountains and then on up through the Cascade Mountains, and come to find out the, uh, the brake uh, calipers on our particular motorhome had been recalled uh, because they would uh, lock up and then crack the rotors, and then you couldn't stop. And so we were driving through all these mountain passes and found out um, that we had the old brakes that had this issue with them after we drove through it all. And, uh, and then come to find out afterwards that it was still could be fixed uh, under the recall warranty or whatever. Um, you know, when I was unsaved, um, I was in a wreck, at 18 years of age, and um, I know that the Lord, uh, at that time of my life, was trying to get a hold of me. So within maybe a two to three month period, I was in a really bad wreck, and then uh, just a couple months later, I got beat up, like, real bad. And my friend had an issue with somebody else, and I came to his rescue, and he got hit one time, and I got all the... I got ganged up on by three or four different people and got beat up. So those are some of the strange, but I think that at that time in my life, the Lord was trying to, he was bringing me under conviction and I was fighting against it. Um, the attacks, um, I think the devil just tries to attack us. Um, one of the things you'll find out, and, you, and even if you're just trying to be a regular person going to church, um, when we're on deputation, this is just kind of funny how this works out. Saturday night before a conference starts or in the middle of a conference, um, it seems like our children always get sick on Saturday night before a big day on Sunday. And, uh, and I, I really believe that's the devil trying to attack you, discourage you, discourage your wife, because then she's the one who's we're stuck in a strange, random place, and the kids are sick. And so, you know, there's things like that that happen. Um, I, I truly believe, though, once we get to the field, that's probably when we're going to start to see the, the biggest spiritual struggles and battles because we're going into the, the heart of Catholicism to take back territory from the devil. And so we'll see what happens. Yeah. And uh, I think this is a little bit of a follow-through. What is the hardest part of being a missionary? And you kind of talked about it, but... Um, Try to go at it at a, at a different angle. What would be the hardest part, you would say? The hardest part being of being a missionary? missionary. Um, this answer may change, you know, a couple years down the road. The hardest part of being a missionary is just being faithful. And I, there's nothing different about me and you guys. Let me tell you that there's nothing different about me and you. God's just changed where we're doing what we're doing. I'm doing the same thing that I did at my home church, but just in a different place. The hardest thing is just being maintaining my walk with the Lord, maintaining my prayer life, doing just the simple, basic things. When you're out traveling like we're doing, our schedule is so crazy. It's like one day to the next. You don't know what's going to happen. And, and so because of that, it, makes, it, it tries to dig into your time with the Lord, and just trying to maintain your walk is probably one of the, hardest things I found at this point. Uh, that answer may change after I've been on the field, but um, you know that's the same struggle that you guys are dealing with, is just trying to walk with the Lord 
and, and not allow anything to come between that. And this is the last question here. Mm -hmm. And this has a little bit of a tie-in with your testimony. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that you'll be giving your testimony tomorrow as well. But mm -hmm. how did you know for sure that being a missionary was God's calling for your life? Okay. So this is, um, I have a very complicated story. I grew up in a Christian home, um, but I was as lost as could be, very much lost. I was coerced into making a profession of faith at about four and a half, five years of age. I'm not saying that children can't get saved at that age, but I was coerced. All I remember was being told to go down, and I didn't want to go down, and that's all I remember. And then afterwards, went through the baptismal waters again as an early adolescent. A, t a friend of mine said, you need to go get saved. So I went down and redid the whole thing again. And so I was actually prayed the prayer and went through the baptismal waters about four or five times before the age of 16. As a, um, and even had at one time at church camp, went down and surrendered to preach too. Um, so a very complicated situation. And that's, and that's past, I was talking with pastor earlier, that's, that's easy believe. If you heard this term, you guys know this term, easy believism. I was a product of easy believism. Well, just pray that prayer again and everything's going to be okay. And um, I would have died and gone straight to hell. And um, so at age 18 and a half, God brought me under conviction. I was, it was the most powerful thing I'd ever experienced. It was, I would liken it to Isaiah chapter number six or Paul on the Damascus road. And it was this overwhelming sense and understanding of the holiness of God. It was just, I, I can't explain it to you. It was just I understood how holy God was, and I saw myself in comparison to God's holiness, and I just cried out and said, Lord, I'm done doing my own thing, done going my own way. And God changed my life that day. It was in December of 2003. And within just a couple of weeks of that, I grew up in Washington State, and God says to me, I want you to move to Oklahoma. It was, I can't explain it. All I knew was I was driving on the road, and it was just like, God says, go to Oklahoma. And so I moved to Oklahoma. And after a couple months of being in Oklahoma, I knew that God wanted me to go to Bible college. And um, because of that surrendering earlier, I know I wasn't saved at the time, but something on the inside of just... It just seemed like that is what I needed to do. I needed to follow that. So this is kind of a, I know this is kind of awkward and strange, but I, I knew that I needed to pursue that. And, um, and so after a year of Bible college, uh, we were having a, a missions emphasis time. And I knew during that time, during the preaching of the Word of God, uh, that God wanted me to surrender to missions. And so I uh, went and got alone had a time of prayer, um, and it was a very evident that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. And um, in 2009, after graduating from school, um, I, was, I just told, my, told people I'm just kind of waiting for a big uh, flashing door to open, and that's going to be God's will. It was kind of interesting because um, God took me to Italy in 2012 and 2014 and um, through those trips going there, God really opened my eyes to the desperate need of the Italian people. But I was still very career-minded, and I uh, didn't want to do that. And it was interesting because two to three months, I, I surrendered in 
July of 2016, the final night of our Hope Conference there in Oklahoma City. Two to three months before that, I had a guy call me up from Oregon. And he's like, he's like, Clifford, I want you to come out here and work. You're going to be my assistant pastor, and, and you're going to come out here and live, and you're going to help me in this church. And so I'm like, well, Lord, maybe that's the big open door, the big flashing light that I've been waiting for for these years, you know. And so I went and prayed about it. And after praying about it, I just knew that that isn't what the Lord wanted me to do. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, Lord, that's the big flashing light I've been waiting for for all these years. And, and I, told, I called the guy up. I said, I can't do this. And it was, just, it was kind of funny because three or four weeks later, I found out that same man quit the church and moved to a different area. And, uh, and so it was just kind of interesting how the Lord uh, evidently showed me that's not what he wanted me to do. But it was interesting because just a few weeks more later after that, it was the final night of our, of our missions, not a missions conference, but our hope conference. And the preacher was preaching, and right in the middle of the preaching, God said, it's time to go. And it was, there, was, there was no denying it. And uh, the next day I talked with my pastor the, on Saturday morning, and he said, you know, let's pray about it a little bit more. Let's, uh, and then we'll come reconvene, and uh, we prayed about it, and, and just knew that that's what God wanted me to do. And, uh, and now we're here standing before you, uh, almost ready to go. So that's all for uh, okay. the questions, actually. Yeah. Pastor. Praise the Lord. It's good to um, ask questions like that and get a little deeper understanding. Isn't it something? We find out that missionaries are human after all. Hmm? Yeah, sometimes we wonder, wow, where'd the, where'd the missionaries ever come from? And where do the pastors come from? Where do the evangelists, where do they come from? Do they just... You know, like Mr. Bean, you know, from heaven. And uh, no, not usually. They're, uh, they're just folks like us. And God puts his hand upon them and says, uh, I want you to serve me.